Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to A Real Creature Feature. My name is Mac. I'm Mike. I'm Dean. And today, we'll be talking about the Snallagaster. Now, Michael, mm -hmm. what do you know about the Snallagaster? Really nothing about the Snallygaster other than it's supposed to be a big bird. It's a big bird with a metal beak and a Cthulhu mouth. That's I, I honestly only know about it from a video from a YouTube video on cryptids. And it shows up as one of those ones where it's like top 10 most interesting cryptids. Number seven. Ugh, Dean, Deanifer. What do you know about the Snallagaster? Nothing. I am. <laughs> I know nothing. I never heard of Snallagaster before. And I'm just waiting to find out how we get a bird with an octopus mouth. This is actually one of the funniest things about Dean is because this is one of those videos that he fell asleep to while watching because <laughs> he sent me the link to because he's the one who sent me the link that had it on there. Nice. So, uh, Snallagaster, uh, it's derived from some German, uh, like a German monster, the, uh, Schneeler Geist, which basically just translates to quick ghost. Mm. Somehow that equates this giant bird with, uh, tentacles. And, like, there's different, like, iterations of it. Like, it's, that starts back in, like, the 17, 1730s, like, during some, um, German immigrants coming over and all that other stuff. So this is pre Lovecraft. Yes. Yeah. Pre Cthulhu. Yes. But Ooh. you know, maybe, Oh no. Yeah. In the 1730s, they did talk about having tentacles and uh, a way to, uh, earliest stories claim that this mo monster sucked the blood of its victims and a seven pointed star would repel it. Hmm. And then supposedly in the 19th century, uh, some really bad stuff was being associated with it. Uh, it has been suggested that the legend was uh, resurrected in the 19th century to frighten freed enslaved people. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, what else are they going to do? Got to keep got fear keeps you in line. So humans aren't the real monster. No, in this case, yes, humans are the real monster. They were using it to, f to frighten people who were formerly slaves. But it's but it's a real animal. It's Dean, not. It's, it's, it's not us. Except that it says, created it. Was used to frighten, not they frightened them. Yeah, there's a difference. Dean, there's a, Dean. This is the slide. This is the slide rock bolter scenario. Somebody somebody heard something from somewhere and was like, they "Oh, we I can do. use that." Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, it got a resurgent in the 20, 20th century, century uh, where some newspaper guys are like, hey, we need to make more money. I like money. Let's uh, start telling these stories. <laughs> so it's like, oh, man, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Teddy Roosevelt had um, the, like the Smithsonian Institute was like, hey, we'll give you money if somebody can bring us the hide of one of these things. I don't uh -huh. know if how serious they were, but um, but still. And I guess Teddy Roosevelt was like, hmm, I might uh, postpone my African safari to hunt this beast. I don't, it, it, he didn't. But yeah. Um, but then um, during the Prohibition time era, there was a lot of associate, there's some association with like moonshiners that they were used basically as cover. They're like, oh no, it's the Snallagaster. Not moonshiners in the ah, yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, there's a bunch of, and I guess uh, J.K. Rowling used them in uh, uh, in one of the beasts and where to find them. 
yeah the 17 uh 2017 edition yeah that sounds about right but yeah uh snallagaster american folklore is a bird reptile chimera origin originating in the superstition of early german immigrants later combined with other sensationalistic newspaper reports of the monster um earliest incarnation of the creatures a mix of half bird features of a siren the earliest incarnations of the creature mixed the half bird creatures of a siren with the nightmarish features of demons and ghouls snailagaster described as half reptile half bird with metallic beak lined razor sharp teeth which it has a beak so it shouldn't have teeth yeah well, that would fit in an octopus bottom. Yeah. Well, that's not but, what I said. Yeah. It had. I said it has a beak and teeth. That has nothing to do with the octopus. <laughs> but occasionally alongside octopus-like tentacles, which sometimes it looks like um, it could be like it. They are associated with its mouth or not associated with its mouth. It's but you know it's a it's a or story. Yeah. I would invert those pictures, though. Well, you can invert whatever you want, but... What I'm saying is, like, the octopus tentacles are on the outside, just like an octopus is, and the beak is on the inside. And it can have small teeth. Rouges, like geese. But those aren't teeth, though. <laughs> well, yeah, People but... People call them teeth. I mean, so, some of these illustrations are just classic. Yeah, but also the one major issue that I have with this creature is the fact that it has one big eye. Seemingly, yeah. And in most illustrations, it does have one big eye. Yeah, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But like for the, the most that, part, yeah. The, yeah. the bottom one you showed where it looks more dragon-like, it's, it has two eyes. But yeah, a lot of the other ones have one big eye with, like, bird wings. Right. I think this and, will be the last one. And for that one, it's just like, that doesn't make... No. No, there, there are. I don't know of any like actual terrestrial cyclops creature, like living animals. Not really. I don't know of any cyclo cyclopean uh, creatures in general. Um, but still, if you're flying, you need depth perception. Yeah, you gotta perceive that depth. Yeah, even like with birds. Yeah, there are birds that have more vision on the sides of their heads, but they can still use uh like still see forwards the thing with predators is their eyes are more front facing versus well i mean it's generalization i i know i know that's what i'm but... saying it's not it's it's it needs to be it depends on what it's hunting and how it's hunting but yeah there are some creatures that have that are predators that their, their eyes are more on the side and it's also depending on if it is strictly uh, uh, apex predator. Because also, gorillas, their eyes are on the front of their face, and they're vegetarians. Yeah, that whole species quote is not entirely. But still, one eye won't really do it for you. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't see how I, I don't see oh. how a grouping of tentacles would do it for you either. That is one of the, one of the things I was looking up. Uh, so, uh, in my notes... I have it broken down into a couple of different things. I don't really have, I didn't have notes like I normally do. What I did is I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Oh, okay. So first, uh, so what would it use those tentacles? That's the first thing we have to talk about. Because I'm like, all the other stuff is secondary. Because like, like, oh, it's a big flying creature. There's a lot of those. And we, we've talked about that too. But the thing that makes this interesting and different is the tentacle mouth. And I don't know there. I don't think there are any terrestrial creatures that have anything exactly like that. I can think of some that are kind of like that. And I'll, I'll do that after the fact, I'll like break down them later, but I want to talk about why would this thing have tentacles and a beak or why would this thing have tentacles? What could it use those for? My only thought process always goes back to, other tentacle creatures, the octopi have them as grabbers. I mean, and that's it goes towards a beak. Yeah. yeah. So that, like I said, that's more of a cephalopod for a mouth. And it's all there. It, you don't have to change much. Oh, yeah. yeah. But why, like, but like that leads to the question of what does it need it for if it's got, 
you know, clawed hands. Yeah, because some of these depictions, they show them clawed hands. So if they wanted oh. to have, yeah, if they wanted, if you actually wanted a creature that it would need that, you would have to have it that it is not a sec a hectopod, hexapod yeah. like we've had. So it could, this could be a tetrapod where it would have those more conventional bird arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess it's feet because a lot of times with birds, their feet are grabbers. So it wouldn't need yeah. that as a grabber yeah. or it'd be a secondary thing where it's like, like a woodpecker. It's, um, you know, it's grabbing onto the um, wood and pecking into the wood to uh, get at it. So something maybe more like that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, have you heard the stories about uh, a particular bird that has no legs so that they have to fly all the time yes, and I they know. they lay square eggs and that's where we get dice from yeah i've heard of I've this heard of bird those. could be one that their legs became vestigial or you know not as useful but all the depictions of them still show them with the legs so we could have it that they have legs and this like a woodpecker yeah so like but yeah, but the entire thing is this is supposed to be the silent, you know, yeah, the silent. silent ghost, as they said. But the entire thing is it's supposed to basically come out of nowhere, grab you, take you away. Yeah, which isn't a thing in any way because there are no bur- you couldn't have something that big that would be able to fly you away in general. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, is then once again, yeah, it's we're trying to. Matt, make they're it... fictional. Everything we talk about is fictional. And literally, the point of the show is to talk about how they're real. Could they be real? Like, what would make it that it needs to be real? Literally, the premise of the show. They need to be. Here's what they need to do. Then be giant owls. That's what they need to be. Yes, but oh, then why do I owls' wings? Uh, why are they silent? Then we can talk about that. Let's talk about that then. That's what we're no, here no, no, for. No. I mean, like the mechanism of the wing, like what makes it fl- like silent. That's it's the was... feathers on the tip. I was at an outdoor ed class in fifth grade and they took a board, drilled a hole in it and put a rope in the end and swung that around and it made a lot of noise. Then they took a board that had carpeting stapled to one edge of it and swung it, and it was a lot quieter than the other board. So their feathers on the edge of their wings helps to dampen the sound of their flight. And yeah, there you go. There's a using actual science and stuff like that to explain mechan- the different mechanisms. Yeah, but last time I checked, Dean's not an owlologist. Yeah, neither am I. Well, you're the biologist who wanted to make this show. You have to yeah, know Yeah, so which I want to talk about real-life things. Then why are we just talking about real-life things? Because I'm using this as a way to convey that information. I, I hate that so much sometimes. That was the whole premise of it. Since when? Since the beginning. And we have failed gloriously. Because you guys keep yanking the, the wheel. Isn't that what we're supposed to be here for, is- we're supposed to be the opposition. Yes. Well, no, you're just supposed to be the audience standing. And we are a hostile audience. Yes, you are. We're, we are rightfully we are very hostile. So first thing I uh, like I was looking into stuff like that. It was just basically talking about uh, the digestive system of this thing, because that's what like, let's figure out what uh, does this thing eat? And I'm like, if you, if anything, you want to have a better articulated, like grabby hand thing, you wouldn't be using it for like grabbing things and like pulling them away. It'd be more like, think about like an anteater's tongue. It's, they're just, it's just basically a tongue that has a bunch of different fingers, like structures to get into somewhere. So I'd like think this would be actually more of an insectivore than anything else. So, yeah, but then again, same problem, though. It wouldn't be as big. Yeah, it, yeah, no matter what, just like the dragons, just like, just like the vampire, it, it can't be all that big. It wants your brains. Does it, it latches onto the back of the head? It has, um, a projectile, like, moray eel jaw. Uh, so 
Okay, here's the thing. They don't tell you this about this creature, but what they like to do is they will fly behind you, latch onto your head, the beak will peck a hole through your skull, and the moreil mouth that's inside the back of their throat jumps forward to eat the brains, pull it out, and it flies, and it's gone. So, Dean... Dean, I like this. I, I want you to know how much I enjoyed that. This, so this thing has basically three separate type of mouth parts. No, it's, it's, it's two mouth parts. No, there's three. No. Yes. Do you, t- you want do me you to tell finish? the octopus that its tentacles are part of its mouth? In this context, yes. Because it is part of the mouth. They, this is, that's them using the word mouth. We're we're using more educational stuff here. And octopuses' tentacles are not their mouth. The mouth is the beak. And that's the only solid part. So octopus can slide through almost any thickness as long as they can get their beaks. They are very much like uh, cats because cats are basically furry octopi land octopi because all they need to know is the width of their whiskers and they can get through any goddamn hole except octopi don't they're liquid too they're they're primarily liquid you put them in a put them in the box and they fill up the box but here's the problem with that idea with what you're just proposing with the whole octopus thing is this thing has bones because otherwise it can't fly yeah but it still has tentacles fleshy Fleshy testicles. Tentacles. Freudian slip. slip. So this is why I said it would have three mouth parts. The outside, the tentacles, which are about about, around the mouth, the beak. And then now you're adding in a moray eel mouth part. It all makes sense because you were talking about how they traditionally have teeth. What also has teeth? Moray eels, they've got a second jaw inside. I mean, it's all part sure. of it's all part of the song Amore. When an eel no, when no. there's a jaw inside, I hate you so that's much. That's Amore. You so you, you made you made you made this devil's bargain. You know this. I didn't make shit. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I believe you quite literally did. Your guy, yeah. hey guys, I have this idea for this podcast. Yeah. You don't realize. Yeah, yeah you, I didn't realize how insane you are. You made you made this devil's bargain. Just remember that. Anybody who has ever met me, I am shy at first, but once I know you, I bloom open like a Lovecraftian flower with all yes. these hidden tentacles. It is pretty horrendous. I've seen it. Yes. And it's absolutely horrendous and beautiful in the same moment. Also, speaking of more eels, I learned something interesting. So I had this thing break broken down to uh, digestive system, mouth parts, and grabbing tongue. That's in my notes. I'm going to jump to grabbing tongue. Here's something very interesting. Fish don't have tongues. Yes, they they do. No, they don't. Now, there's there's a particular pe- parasite that grabs onto their tongue. No. They have a structure that looks similar to tongue, but it doesn't do the same function. So this is how fish work. Uh, so a lot of them, when they are grabbing something or trying to eat it, they basically change the water pressure on inside their mouth. So like they expand it, so it causes a sucking motion. So that's what's happening in their mouths. Now, with moray eels... It's kind of like that. That's why it juts forward a little bit to add that, but it also has that sucking motion, and that's how it eats. So yeah, I it was on which one was it? I think it's the no, 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 it's the tongue. Uh, the weird, the strange animal animals with like the strangest tongues, and this is from the Sci Show. Yeah, and then I also like a bunch of videos like animals with the weirdest teeth, which actually that might have been the Mora eel one because of crabby teeth. And yeah, they were talking about that. And yeah, they don't have, fish don't have tongues. They have a mechanism very similar to like, okay, not very similar because they don't need that in the water. They, uh, we needed that out of the water because we, there is no water around us to add into that sucking motion. We, there's not enough air that air's not thick enough to allow for that. 
So we adapted basically a, a tongue that helps we'll grab things and pull it in. And it was like, it was actually kind of cool. Um, one of the things where they're talking about it was like earlier on, Oh, uh, this article from science and it was called tales of the tongue. And, Oh, sure. I didn't read it. Oh, it's not as big as I thought it was. Never mind. But, uh, one of the cool th- ones that they were talking about was, um, uh, like f- where they think maybe the idea, like some of the early, like lungfish or other fish rather like, because they can get out of the water and still get prey. But what they'll do is have their mouths full of water, spit the water onto their prey and kind of just slurp it back up. And that was like the basic use of like the same use as the tongue. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So because it's not so basically, though, this feels almost like a semantic argument on fish tongue. Oh, look at those parasites. Yeah. Because uh, it's really just it's just a fold that's there. It's a tongue like fold. Yeah. It's just it do, isn't used in the same way as tongues are used. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, it's like, what's the difference between a hand and a foot? Well, do, do bears have hands or do they have four feet? Well, I mean, I mean, depends. I mean, they, do they wave with their foot? Yes. <laughs> then fine. They, they have four <laughs> feet. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they're, it's like technically not, doesn't fall, yeah. or fall under that yeah. um, definition. I mean, didn't you ever see that thing? Didn't you ever see that video of the happy bear sitting by the road just going, hi? No. I'm looking at this deviant art one that you posted, and it has kind of like a, well, it has like a snake neck. And it's making me think of a vulture because of that neck crease, uh, crest of feathers. Yeah. That's the Jabberwock, my son. It also has like a worm tongue with spikes. Uh, <laughs> or not worm tongue, worm tail. Like a rat tail. Yeah, but again, just someone making up an animal. So we'll go back to mouth parts. Do we have to? Yes. Them's the rules. Pretty, pretty mouth parts. So when I'm talking mouth parts, I'm talking basically insects. That's what they have. They have mouth parts. Oh, um, a good article for it. Form function. Uh, all I keep, all I kept finding were like actual articles like actual like uh, scientific papers about it. And I'm like, well, that's not very helpful. I'm looking for actual things. And so like the cool thing about insects is that they have like these super specialized mechanisms for eating, like all of them. And they're, uh, uh, let's see. Okay. So they're broken down into like five parts. Like all of them have basically the same five parts. It's the labrum, mandibles, maxilla, um, labium and hypopharynx. I don't know what any of those things are. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through it. The mandible, uh, a chewing insect has a pair of mandibles, one of one on each side of the head. The mandibles are the cudgel to the labrum. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, typically mandibles are the largest and robust mouth parts of the chewing insect. The maxilla uh, situated beneath the, this word, I can't read. Ah, oh, caudal. Caudal, yeah. Uh, yeah, the maxilla, which it, all, blah, 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 uh, situated beneath the, oh, it's situated beneath the uh, mandibles. Paired um, maxilla, they also aid in chewing. The labrum and, yeah. Uh, depending on what these different things, um, different, like, you know, there's the siphoning types, which are basically like um, moths and butterflies. And then there's the piercing and like, you know, mosquitoes and sponging insects like flies. But each one has their, like their own basic purposes. It's They're really kind of cool when you actually like learn more and more about it. Uh, there's a one video that I found. It was kind of cool, but it's like 15 seconds. And it's just like how does uh, a honeybee's mouth parts work like what when it go like is inserting like extracting um stuff from flowers hmm. oh wow and then the, this is the one that uh this one uh breaks down like each of the parts pretty good so that's why it's got to be a so that's why it has to be an insect well no i'm just saying like that's the only thing that actually has anything like this that's a terrestrial creature that it has like these mouth parts and like, because nothing else on the planet really does that. 
Except for insects. Uh, and then I guess an octopus. Nice. You seem bored, Michael. I'm not bored. I'm just looking at stuff. I'm I'm also very tired. It's been a hell of a week. Yeah. Though most weeks have been a hell of a week for the last month. Yeah. The Z Frank's video about true f- facts about the trap jaw ant goes into the at one point talks about the different parts of these different trap jaw ants and how part of the bone structure of their skull snaps the mandible back into place. And then they've got hairs out of the front of their uh, mouth that will hit and trigger the muscles and they'll snap shut at a incredible speed. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it's a really kind of cool uh, because of you notice that with like uh, mantis shrimp also. Like mantis shrimp have so like the whole concept where people are talking about like the fast fibers and the slow fibers. It's like for these guys, it they're all only like fast fibers, like their their jaws basically, because it's all like a well a spring trap. That's what it is. Each all their muscles are basically like that uh, trigger. Yeah. And that's also very similar to um, actually um, like bird's talons, like depending on the species, but like for like a lot of the raptors, like they're, they, they have kind of like a trigger and they'll lock into place so that they won't lose like the fish and stuff like that to the point it's actually work to release those claws. So it's like if, so one of those things, sad thing about it is if like a raptor um, misses um, it's prey, it will lock into that position, and so they can't just fly around and try it again right away. They actually have to release it, and it's like, oh, that kind of sucks. But because of that, they won't, they're not going to lose their food, hopefully. Yeah, but what if they had a suction cup mouth? <laughs> what if they, what if they were the mind flayer all along? Yeah, but yeah, that would be an interesting fact with it. Yeah, it's if we want it that that's what it's using those tentacles for, for grabbing on like that, then it would be beneficial. See, the one problem is the, the one picture that I actually have, that one picture that I have with the Snallygaster with the tentacles like going off the screen on the bottom, that's like the second one I posted. Yeah. What they don't show you is in the whole illustration, there's a dude hanging on to the tentacle also. Though with that one, that one makes yeah. me think more of a um, starfish. Yeah. Because of how it looks. So, yeah. do you know how a starfish eats things? Vomits out its stomach. Yeah, that's what that looks like to me. That it's vomiting out its stomach to digest something. So there's two genuses that we're talking about. The one that has the tenti on the outside and the one that has the tenti inside of its uh, throat that it vomits out to wrap around its prey and digest it. Which also, actually, if we use it that they're also more sensory organ-like, then we can actually have it that explains the one eye thing. Because it's not actually, it's only using the eye to, like, find. It's not actually using its eye to detect. But if that's true, but if that's true, it's not using, going after fast prey. They are the real-world version of the Mind Flayers. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. The one that has the tentai on the outside needs eyes. So part of it eating the brain is so that it can tr- control that body to give them more idea of where they should hunt better. Got it. There we go. <laughs> solved the Mystery solved. And all I had to do was let Dean say words. <laughs> Though the mind flayer, they don't they eat? What do they eat? I believe they eat the I believe they eat the concepts in your brain. Yeah, I uh, is that from uh, Iliads have a humanoid body with an octopus like head. They have four tentacles uh, around a lamprey like mouth. Ugh. They require the the brains of the ascension. No, they actually eat the brain. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Which is also interesting because of like how they reproduce. They reproduce more like the alien from Aliens because mm-hmm. they need a body to yeah. and have a like make a host. 
So basically yeah. the head is the creature and it just takes over the body. Yeah. Well, that's uh that's the whole like opening of Baldur's Gate 3 is that you're infected with a mind flayer tadpole in your brain and you have to find a way to get rid of it before it hatches. Yeah, that would be terrifying. And also the Yeah, mind flayers are terrifying. Just anything that where it's like it's eating your brain or it's eating you. It's yeah. eating who you are. That just All you need to do is get a tinfoil crown and slap it on it so that uh, and they don't have the chance to attune to it and you can make them your party's next best friend. Ah. See, this is the problem, though. Aluminum foil, aluminum does not exist in the world of uh, the Forgotten Realms. It might exist, but yeah, they don't know how to refine it because that's a that's a relatively new process that we figured out. And it, yeah, if I only think... they. They could save themselves, Dean, but it's too early for them. Not no. really. They just need to go to Africa. Yeah. Because <laughs> Africa made iron before we figured out how to make iron. Uh, is there an Africa in the Forgotten Realms? Well, yes, probably. They have an African equivalent. We forgot about the third genus, Which where is, the beak parts are uh, morphed into uh, praying mantis shrimp knuckles. And they need it, is you were talking punchy? about that it makes you, punchies. And don't forget about the fact that it has a more yield tongue. So Big. it it part of what the tentacles have is a reservoir of liquid liquid. So it slurps onto the head, releases the water, <laughs> and punches with the force of a mantis shrimp oh. and the oh, what is that force called? Where it creates a air about, um, there's a specific word I was trying to remember where it creates a void in the water and then that closes so forcefully that it releases a lot of force and that's how they're able to break clam shells. Shockwave is the only thing I can think of. I know they generate a shockwave that yeah. uh, also uh, basically flash. Uh, heats the space about yeah. the same temperature of the sun. Yeah, it's. Well, I mean, sure they have a punch of they have a punch of sixty miles per hour underwater. Yeah, but that. But I'm gonna have to veto that one, Dean. Yeah. No. Sorry, yeah. buddy. That's a that's, veto on that. That's one. too complicated. It's yeah, not complicated. It's you complicated. The, explain to me then, in simple so, terms, how does that work? Magic. It has space. To hold the water, it releases the water around the back of the head. So then it can do that punch and use that same force to put a second shockwave to break through the skull. You know, that wasn't explaining it. I'm saying, like, how does it do that? How would it store the liquid in the tentacles? Because if it did that, they're just big old sausages. You can't sausage. really bend if it's full of water. So its face is just like this the entire time because think of about a balloon when if you fill it up with water what happens it gets all squishy it's got the special orifice in it Ew. to hold that, that. i'm that not saying i'm not saying it has to be anything 15 gallons in its tentacles but you just it's said or 10 of them that, that this, by saying orifice doesn't fix the problem orifice gross you're just throwing quantum onto something. No, Ooh. I am not throwing quantum. You're throwing I am quantum. saying that there is a special orifice that it can hold on to water. What is what is an orifice? Do I need to? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Here we go. Dean's gonna. <laughs> you just you just get into this for like ten minutes. I'm gonna take a nap. An opening. Yes. A pipe with lips or tube. Um, or one in body, such as a nostril or an anus. Yeah, a sphincter. You're just talking about a whole... You're talking about an opening. That's what an orifice is. It has a special bladder in the, in the tentacles. Once again, space. It needs the... When you fill up a balloon, what happens to it? It inflates. Water is a non-compressible liquid. 
I don't understand what you're talking about saying that the space there can be space for this because yes, we're talking about because, something it's not confined to the mouth. But like I'm saying that if you are like, oh, it's holding a bunch of water, that means it's going to be like the tentacles are out, like ex fully extended out. Where's the freaking? <sighs> we'll just. Oh no, yeah. You're, you're bringing out the artist in him. Beak right here. You got the beak. And then you have your tentacles on the outside. And they're thicker at the base and they narrow out like an actual tentacle. There's an orifice right there. And inside there is a bladder that can grow inside of the tentacle. And it doesn't make it stick out. Shit. I can't show it because of my camera. Turn off the background. <laughs> Turn, Turn off the background. <laughs> Turn off the background. I threw it away. I still go with what I say. It makes sense. It doesn't take up too much space. Dean, I Dean, I really want to see this now. I've been asleep for I've been asleep for five minutes and now I all right I'll be right back just give me one second fine yeah uh, goober he's 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 lost his he's we'll lost do his this mind. again and I'll I'm reaping the benefits about. <laughs> oh, my God bladders can expand and not take up too much space we got your thing. beat what's right the definition there. of expand and here's one tentacle he's just doing to it again. Show and there's a slit that looks like a labia that can open up a little bit and let in some water and sometimes out some water. And just like a frickin' chipmunk that has a special pouch in its cheek can shove the water right in there. And that's one of ten. Ten of them. And it doesn't need to be ten gallons. It could be just ten ounces. One ounce for each little pop. I could go out and tell him to put on his headset again. There he, yeah, is. Now he is. All right, okay. here hey, I am. Hey, look at that. There you go. That's one <laughs> tentacle right there. There's the beak. There's the little pouch on the inside. And the there's lips? the tentacle. Yes. Dean, you have clearly lost your mind. It's fun to see. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun to see. And I kind of now wish we could have uh, honestly advertised. If we could have put this one on YouTube live. Just to watch you have a nervous breakdown. I, I knew the day would come. I just didn't expect it to well, be Well, I believe we proved how, how much I could go off the handle when we were having the argument about the North Pole and the South Pole. Yes, yes. I remember that too. And, every, and, you know, it's like, they didn't name it because of the freaking bears. They named it because of something else, but it wasn't the bears. It was actually the stars. Constellation. Yeah, constellation, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but then also, I want—I was thinking about this too. So you had it that you wanted the glob of water for the shrimp mouth purpose, correct? I was just thinking the skull is a hard service. How could you break through it? And then I was thinking, and then you raised the mantis shrimp. And I just know that their punch is fast, but part of it is because they're underwater, they create that cavity, yeah. and that cavity creates a second punch to also help punch yeah. through a clam shell. Now, here's the problem with that idea of having the glob of water there. That's a small amount of water that all that energy and heat is being conveyed through. Not the ocean, that all that energy can just disperse everywhere. All that heat and everything is only in that small space. So they would burn their mouths, probably. Oh. Yeah. It, that, that's the only, that would be the major problem with that. It's so, uh, you, you know what, like how you measure a calorie? Yeah. Is, you know, a, a, a gram of water, and that's like how much whatever burning, whatever material it is. So it's like, Oh, it's a gram of water. It's like it's not that hard to raise that much temperature. How hot? I wonder how hot would that? What would the actual temp of that be? So with Schmanches from they say that it's the the temperature of the surface of the sun. Shit. Yes. <laughs> I was even gonna be like, well, they could have adapted, you know, 
uh, tougher skin right around the. Yeah. But no, if you would want to have anything, oh, you'd have to have is basically a stiletto. That would be a better. Oh, yeah. So really what you need is more of the insectoid. A just a quick little a woodpecker. Yeah. Get into the brain. But yeah, so 8,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah 8,500 degrees freedom units. But yeah. yeah. If you uh, wanted it, that it eats the brains of people, which it's gonna, I well, it will cook the brain. Which I this is just more of a personal thing. I, I've never enjoyed the concept of oh, they only eat this particular food from in an animal. Like not like oh, they only eat this one animal. It's no, no, no. We only eat this the the brains of the the humans. I wasn't saying it was only that. No, no, no. I'm no, no. I'm just. It was more of a. It's wasteful in general. Yeah, in general. I I just never, never liked that idea in fantasy. I'm gonna say this though. What if it's not just the brains of humans? What if it's just any brains? And what if it's then, what if its niche is then to just fill in for, you know, just a lot of brainless individuals that can now be carried by other animals? Oh, that would be a zombie movie that the Snellygaster. Some, okay, I want to do an asylum movie where a scientist is opening a door into other parallel dimensions and a snallygaster comes through before he can close it and the snallygaster goes around and starts creating its own undead army ah. so, uh, so I, I was just looking okay so weighing about three pounds average uh, of an average adult human the brain is 60 percent fat 40 percent a combination of water protein carbohydrates and salt so now I'm just because this is more of yeah once again it's just going over your the brain and everything else or like you need you know f- fuel for your machine that is you yeah depending on how big this thing is it the smaller it is the more that like one brain can satiate it for longer um but yeah if we made this thing that it's big and it's a proper predator for humans which it would have to be fairly large that would mean that it does it only eats three pounds at a pop. Yeah. What if it also feeds off vibes? <laughs> I mean, I mean, our brain is essentially everything we are. What if it's. Yeah, but then, well, once again, that's something that's beyond science at this point that you can you feed off of things that are non tangible. Well, I mean, I can't, but yeah. that's because I like things that are tangible. Yeah. And that's the problem with it. It's like, yeah, you, you going off with that is like, well, I don't know. I can't tell you because what is a what is a vibe? How much energy does a vibe provide? I well, oh, I don't know. Okay. My, my parents drive a Pontiac vibe now, so I could ask them. They love it. Pontiac doesn't even exist anymore. Okay, so now we need to get a hold of Kyle Hill to help us develop that whole scientific field to figure out a vibe versus something else. How much of a vibe makes equals that? Oh, can you have is there now is like a kilogram is always a kilogram. Yeah. And it's a round thing that we no, not kilogram. What is it? No, it's a kilogram. It's the kilogram. It's a a measurement of mass. Yeah. Is there a measurable quant uh, of vibe? One vibe unit is that I that vibe. I, I kind of want to figure out the vibe units. The only way I can think about like because this is only converting is converting from the amount of energy it takes for your brain to it like the calories that you use up to produce a vibe, which would you know basically how much energy do you use throughout a day? So our ethereal connection with our brain has one vibe unit of around energy. But how much how many calories is one vibe unit equal? This is a well, I don't know, because we'd have to figure out how to make it tangible and then burn it. Yes, exactly. Well, like I was saying, it's like how many? Yeah, it it can't be one to one because like how many calories do you burn to make up your vibe? But 
See, this kind of feels so this kind of feels we, like the celery approach, where supposedly you burn more calories eating celery than you do from the actual consumption of the thing. Yeah, because it's one of those cool things when people are like, so you know, the whole thing where you're like, oh, you only need eighteen thousand calories a day for it, and it's like, no, 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 that's only the bare minimum that of a number that we just made up of your body just functioning. You use a lot of calories a day. Yeah. Just functioning. You, growing hair is burning calories. Sleeping is burning calories. Talking is burning calories. Oh, man. Thinking is burning calories. Yes. They talk about that with chess players, that they can, lo- they can lose a lot of weight during a very competitive match. Which would also help with the vibe measurements. Yeah. It's like figuring out how much energy your brain... But then... Yeah everybody's brain's different so yeah. you, there couldn't be a universal or we'd yeah. have to do a lot more measurements to find a universal thing yeah i mean this is going to get into what's the weight of a soul category territory at this point well, we know that we've only been able to measure it twice at this point yeah that, that whole eight grams thing was based off of a lot of shoddy science well it well i i won't i will say this for the time it wasn't super shoddy, but there are better ways to do the measurements now. Yeah. We just haven't done them yet. But it's a, uh, it's a really, uh, but yeah, I, I read in, I read Mary Roach's book, Snuff. Um, oh, no, not Snuff. It was Spook, uh, where it actually talks about what happens to, it, like, Snuff is about what happens to our bodies, the physical body after we die, versus Spook, which is, what happens to that ethereal self that is, that was us after we die? And there was an entire chapter about the the weight of a soul, which was uh, an interesting it was an interesting concept of what they were like how they did the measurements. It's supposed to be less than a feather. Yeah. Well, oh, that's that's, no, that's the weight of your heart. Yeah. No, it's no, but the the measurement was actually they they were for the time about as it was about as scientific as you can get for the times. Yeah, like they genuinely were trying to take real and accurate measurements of a person. But the problem is this: when is the technical moment of death? When do you? And like the reason why they took measurements, they used tuberculosis patients mm. for it. Basically, made them as comfortable as humanly possible. But when some and the one thing about tuberculosis is when it comes for you, like when it comes to take you, it's obvious, but a very slow death. So there was supposed to be time like when the person was showing signs that the end was coming, they would move them to the scale that they were weighing them on, which yeah. was, well, it was a va- actually it was a fabric scale. It was at the time, it was the world's most accurate scale. Like that's how they got those measurements was. It was a very specific fabric scale that they had built and retrofitted so that they could lay a human person on it. So that's how they end up getting the that's how they ended up getting the me- the two measurements that they ended up getting. But it was very interesting, the whole thing, which I'm like, what is the weight of a human soul? And I it was kind of a very interesting thing to me, at least. So the whole thing is they talk about this like metal beak. Mm hmm. The whole thing obviously couldn't be metal. No, for multiple purposes, it won't be because how the hell would it be cast or forged or anything like that? There's no natural process. What it could be is basically kind of think about it more like um, like a alabaster or something like that, where it just looks shinier. That would be my. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, there, there I mean, but there are species of animals like specifically, I think of the beaver who have iron as part of their teeth. Yeah. Question. Is there an animal that has a uh has something like the beaver or rodent condition where its beak keeps on growing so that it has to wear it down over time? Beaver beavers have metal teeth. Yeah. I think I was just making that up. So, That's yeah. why their teeth are orange. Because they have because they have high concentrations of iron in it because they don't have the traditional they don't have traditional uh, enamel. Uh, What they have, they have more of a. Yeah, Um, they have a combination of iron and uh, iron and something else. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, I think I just saw it. Uh, I once broke 
teeth are constantly growing, blah, yeah. blah, blah, which would mean that they would have the... Oh, okay. Um, if you ever seen beaver's teeth, you'll notice that they p- appear pretty orange. This is because, whereas other rodents have magnesium in mm-hmm. their teeth enamel, beavers have iron. Yeah. Hmm. Which is why they're able to, which is part of why they, because they have their niches to bite through the trees. Yeah. So they actually have, so they have, they have stronger teeth, but they still have the same basic functions that other rodent teeth have of continuous growth. Yeah. And yeah, with that, yeah, well, I guess they just have to have a, once again, but that's, they don't have iron teeth. Their enamel has iron in it to strength that's, and it allows it to be stronger. So, I mean, does it have, I mean, so in that regard though, I mean, if there is a different, what's a traditional bird beak made of? I don't know. Same thing as their fingernails and hair. What? bird and then different things have different toughness bone mostly bone so they could just have a just something that may something some sort of a component on them that would make their in them look metal well yeah that's what i was saying like the alabaster where it's just kind of shiny looking gross uh but um for this it would if we had it that it was more iron then this thing would have an orange beak wouldn't they have? Well, there's the third picture, illustration three, the iron beaked one. Uh, is it no illustration four, the one four. with the weird, the ones with the spiky tentacles? Oh yeah, were that's near the top of today's. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm seeing it, but I'm uh, just. They're all birds. Birds like things, but yeah, that would be my only thing. Where it just looks kind of metallic looking, but there's a lot of things that can simulate that kind of shiny. I mean, if you see the Snallygaster, it's too late. Pow, right in your brain. Yeah. And if you don't see the Snallygaster, well, it's already too late also. It's like Chuck Norris. Basically, it's never a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Like Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris only knows two emotions, love and kill. And since you're not dead yet, it's because Chuck Norris loves you. Anyway, so, bird. Birds so, with so, Snally, so Snallygaster, so Snallygaster, mind flaying bird, for for no yeah. other reason than it can. Yeah, personally, I would think it'd be more like a anti. It eat insects in it. That's I what, mean. and because that's the thing about it too. It's like just because something does look scary doesn't mean it is scary. Yeah, doing well. this podcast, everything wants to evolve into a crab or an insect. <laughs> I mean, why not both? Both arthropods. I mean, that's really the only difference is where do you want to be in the air? Do you want to be small and in the air or do you want to be in the water? Ultimately. Nah, gotta be a coconut crab and have eaten uh, Amelia Earhart. Be Amelia Earhart? Eat Amelia Earhart. Oh, eat Amelia. Yeah, that's why we can't find her. Oh, because the coconut crabs? Yes. The crabs. She had crabs before she died. Ah. Okay, uh, I think we've milked everything out of the Snallygaster. Yeah, yeah. So what should we talk about next time? You tell us. I don't know anything. Oh, one, oh, it's wait, your wait. turn. Wait a second. Okay, so this one. So we just had one since the 21st is. Oh, so this is coming out November 5th. Something from not oh. America. Something not kimchi. I don't believe kimchi is a cryptid. I believe it's just fermented cabbage. Yes. I was actually thinking of kimchi from chowder. Oh, I believe he's just a fermented vegetable, too. No, he's a gas and lays a fell in love with a cabbage casserole and they laid hundreds of eggs that turned into miniature cabbage. Ah, okay. I got one that I've wanted to do. Okay. Uh, this one is definitely going to be taking from a different turn, so this is definitely going to be the incorporation of scientific, definitely hardcore uh, dwarves. Uh, dwarves. Okay. Because I've been wanting to approach that because this is one of those things that does bother me a lot, like how they approach it in a lot of fantasies where they're like, "Yeah, we're just going to make a short guy," and how a lot of times they're like talked about in stories isn't like that. And I have ideas of how I would like this. Be very careful. Oh, 100%.
I, uh, I have an idea. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see because you you know I'm gonna crack open the you know I'm gonna crack open the Discworld RPG book again for this. Sure. You know, in 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 Terry Pratchett's world, dwarfs play a very prominent role. I don't doubt it. Especially, I'm only. Dean, I'm only about five books away from Thud at this point, so I'm kind of excited. All right, get out of here. Go. Bye. Bye. Dwarves. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski, starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too. And that can bring us all closer together. Uh, but no, uh, aluminium, aluminum, you made me say it, uh, was discovered in 1825. Ah. In Copenhagen, Denmark. As far as, as far as the Europeans know. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, one of my favorite things about, um, we, we were joking with, um, one of my favorite games is this quick game called Timelines. Mm-hmm. And it's a series of cards with events on the front and the dates of the event on the back. And so the whole object of the game is to lay down cards on, like, basically a path following the proper timeline of events. And um, Chris at the comic shop, when I picked up Timeline Inventions, he says, you're going to notice something about this deck. And as I'm going through it, um, as I'm playing, as I'm like, because I don't necessarily always play the games right away, but I look at like some of the stuff. Every one of the cards where it was discovered in from some other continent before it was discovered by Europeans specifically said the discovery of X event by Europeans. I'm like, yeah, this is a very Eurocentric t- card table, isn't it? It's like, exactly. Yep. Mr. Kenoki, I think, would love that game. Yeah. Because he I, loved timelines. Yes, he did. Do yeah. It, it is always interesting because yeah, it's like, well, well it because there is always that idea of um uh congruent inventions and stuff like that, because other people might have invented it, but then other people like, you know, the whole lost technology thing and everything yeah. else. Like, well, so this is the funny fun thing uh, on Time Suck. They did an episode about the uh, Library of Alexandria. And then, you know, there's people online. They're like, oh, all this knowledge that was lost because of the fires, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, was it like was actually all that much lost? That was like, you know, very like were there things probably lost that were could have been useful? Yeah. But did it stop us from rediscovering it? Yeah, it set us it- back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. The first computer was in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't discover that for another four or five hundred years. <sighs> and Whoa. unfortunately, the first version of Harry Potter was in there, and it was uh, written by Claudius Excelsius. Uh, uh, no, so he was uh, like, so when he does some of these things, like, like for this particular, it was uh, used. Um, one of the things he calls idiots of the internet. That's me. Yeah, and it's like one of them was uh, under there and like in the comment sections for like one of the videos about the, the the secrets of the Library of Alexandria. And somebody actually said there were pro- there were scrolls there that could probably that were there was magic, just like there was in uh, Skyrim. <laughs> and we've he... lost all those magic scrolls. Wow. Yeah. And it was just like, wow. So it was just like one of those things like, let me get this straight. The library had all those scrolls and only that library. Yeah. They yeah. didn't share that information with anybody in their kingdom. No, they were no. part of a capitalistic society. I fully agree. <laughs> no, they that like okay, what if it's what if it's grimoire magic? What if and, like you read the scroll, the spell goes in your head and that's when you can cast it? 
The one then, thing that magic can't overcome is copy uh, copyright infringement. Oh, yeah. no. Copyright is far more powerful than your average magic. And why would you burn a fire protection scroll in a library? That's just a waste. You're you're burning the scroll. Somebody else is going to need it when they have to fight the Pompeii. See, Ooh. that's what happened. Somebody could have perfect, per- protected, protected Pompeii, but somebody did not want to use that burnt up scroll, that scroll magic to protect the Library of Alexandria. Uh, yeah. uh, supposedly also a lot of it was probably just like ship logs i mean because one one of the things that they were like uh if when you go into um dock there they're like hey one of the things we want to have is your logs yeah like, they, like but but they made cop but they were just making copies of them yeah so okay so- you said ship logs i heard shit lords <laughs> So I, I was like, there's a whole I, series of scrolls of shitlords before they got onto the internet where they have a whole library <laughs> section where everybody's like, this particular politician. No. Oh, did you hear about Cleopatra? Oh, she bit a snake. Yeah. Oh, that, that brother fucker. Yeah, I love. Here, here's the thing. Mother I heard something. <laughs> I, I heard something else, but that's fine. No, Dean wins. Uh, uh, we, uh, but it's, I, I think in so many of these cases, I mean, I got nothing. I'm kind of just out of it. I'm just, I, I, I was just letting you talk so that I didn't have to say anything right now. 